simply heal thyself. I am Jess Becker, the founder of Jess Becker Holistic Event Planning, and I'm excited to connect with Atlanta locals who inspire me and offer these community experiences to connect. They'll share their journeys to the work that they do and leave you with tips, tools, and techniques for you to use in your own personal or business life. Today, I am chatting with Andrea Blanton, owner and nurturer of Food Earth Birth. Welcome. Peace. I'm so happy to have you on here. I met you probably on one of my visits, and then I mm-hmm. continue to see you at multiple farm events and community engaging events and at the Lola, the women's co-work space. And I'm really excited to have you on here as I know we've kind of crossed paths and had conversations, but I'm looking forward to learning more about you and your passions and your purpose and would love for you to give a brief introduction of who you are and what you do and we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to be here and honored um, to participate in your podcast. So again, I'm Andrea Blanton the owner and nurturer of Food Earth Birth. Uh, Food Earth Birth started um, really as an outlet for me. I um, had a bout of postpartum postpartum depression in about 2012 and found myself um, volunteering at Truly Living Well Urban Farm. And from that point, life just started to become technicolor to me. And so Food Earth Birth um, engages folks in food, the earth, of course, with teaching school gardening and birth, where I help families um, who are expecting um, and through their birth process. So um, I wear many hats in the Atlanta scene um, through the food part. I've managed maybe about four or five of CF of community farmers market markets, um, some of the big ones like Grant Park and East Atlanta Village over the years. Um, I've also uh, did food demos for these markets and offered catering to small organizations and companies in the Atlanta area and um, offered school gardening for different uh, school districts and private schools like Clayton County School District and some of the smaller preschools around town. Beautiful. Yeah, you do wear many hats. So speaking of <laughs> yeah. ma- many hats and, and thanks for the breakdown too, because Food Earth Birth, I, I love the name of it. I, I feel like it totally resonates. Um, it's accessible. I kind of can see it as as a whole. Like let's mm-hmm. dump that down a little bit. So when it yeah. comes to food and, and, and especially here in Atlanta, which I've come to learn so much more about the urban agriculture, what is it for you that brings you back to food? Is it that you always wanted to, you know, be a mm-hmm. chef or you love cooking when you were younger? And, and yeah, tell us a little bit about that journey. You know, my um, growing up as African-American um, in Chicago, um, a lot of our family meals was like the Sunday jump start for the week. So um, at my grandmother's house and my aunt's house, um, my dad was the key chef for everyone. Um, and so I got to play and watch him in the kitchen while he prepped vegetables. Um, I didn't really know that I was really into food then until I got older in high school and uh, became sick from what my parent, my family was offering us. So of course, you know, high in salt, high in fatty meats at the time, and I was becoming sick. And so I consciously made a decision as a high school student to venture out and understand more about vegetarianism. Um, And so from there, that's how I got more connected to food. In college, I became vegan, which it wasn't cool then (laughs) in 2002, (laughs) Uh, but I got to travel to Israel. I got to travel to um, other, well, Arab countries and saw just how much vegetables and rich and hearty and traditional foods 
um, can be fulfilling to our bodies and to our minds and to our spirits, right? So like the traditional ways of preparing food, how food is really just like the cornerstone of all civilizations. I really like how that connected folks um, from different backgrounds. And so in Atlanta, um, food, as you know, in the urban ag thing is key, just like, you know, with vegetable prep and growing vegetables, but also there's some amazing restaurants and chefs who really honor, um, one can say like slow food um, or just traditional ways of preparing foods. And so um, it's been a evolving journey, I, guess, I would say over the last 20 years um, in my engagement with food. And for me, it really, one helps my mental health, <laughs> uh, my body and my children. I have five children, um, four in which who are eating food, one still breastfeeding. Um, but just seeing how they've grown through the food that I've offered them, through them actually meeting the farmers, for them actually being able to grow food themselves and pick a strawberry for the first time, um, food really impacts our family. Sure. And I, I'm so lucky to witness that. I, I love seeing you out with your with the little ones and I, I definitely <laughs> see their, their energy and it, it's so beautiful that you share that with them. So thank you for doing that. Um, you mentioned about slow food, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because I love um, the audience out there listening that might be like me when I hear that. I, I don't know what that means, and I, I'm still mm-hmm. learning. So if you could break that down a little bit and, and why that is important and why that you do engage with that community, especially here in Atlanta. So uh, slow food started in about 1989 in Italy. Um, it was a response to McDonald's entering the country. Um, and in that European country, um, they really value uh, food preparation. You know, in, in the U.S., we have USDA, we have people like, what's GMO, what's non-GMO, what's organic versus non-organic? And um, we have a lot of questions here in the U.S., but in other countries, um, having clean, fair, um, and good food is really uh, integral to their, um, to their country. Um, and so that organization has grown globally, um, and many folks like myself um, have adopted that culture, that lifestyle of really honoring um, the way our food is prepared or grown or who, uh, who offers it to us. And so Slow Food Atlanta, we have a chapter. I'm the co-chair uh, with Marion Dixon, um, and we offer up cool events around town. Um, we have some Slow Food for Thought activities. We have socials where people can come together um, and honor who's growing the food, um, folks who... Um, have restaurants who really honor local economy and urban agriculture, like uh, Stephen Satterfield of Miller Union. Um, And yeah, we just love to commune over food. We're kind of nerdy about it. (laughs) You know, we have potlucks and folks get to taste what people are bringing. Um, And it's just a really cool way to honor um, the growers, the producers, and then ourselves who are the eaters of it as well. Sure. And I, I, speaking of which, that was one of the events I saw you at. And I, it was, uh, it was funny because we were coming to the potluck and, you know, myself and my partner were getting our food ready. And he's like, this is a potluck like no other, like Steven (laughs) Satterfield is bringing food. And I was like, way to make me nervous because I, um, you know, my mom listens to this, so that's to make her feel bad again. But um, I did not grow up with a cook in the house at all. Mm -hmm. Um, No homemade food, Uh, spaghetti and ketchup some days, hot dogs. Uh, we ate out a lot. My uh, my dad's mm-hmm. in hospitality, and he basically he traveled most of my childhood. So it was my mom and mm-hmm. us. And um, so yeah, so just as a funny moment that I'm like I'm kind of uncomfortable in the kitchen. I'm trying to step it up, and then all of a sudden you're like, and your food is on the table with like Terry Koval and you yes. know so forth. So um, 
So with that said, I, I know you're a part of Slow Food. And again, I am loving being new. We actually have the the sign right outside my window in, in our front yard mm. um, as, again, that reminder to hopefully our neighbors. And other than Slow Food, I know you work really well in the community. You said you mentioned CFM. Um, what's been mm-hmm. your latest project working besides food? I know you have other skill sets. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, again, I've been doing working in urban ag scene since 2013. Um, and really, um, through all the iterations, I've offered tea ceremonies and herbal tea preps for folk. Um, but the latest thing I'm, I'm kind of growing into is um, fiber, like working with fiber. So that's another area of our lives that we can really reconnect with ourselves. I try to value things um, that um, allow us to uh, center our spirit, um, center our our awareness or mindfulness, so to speak. And so I've become a part of a Black black Sheep Fiber Shed, um, which is led by Keisha Cameron of High Hog Farm. Um, She's a farmer who has transitioned away from vegetable growth growing into more um, dying um, flower, dye flowers. Um, she has a lot of sheep. I can't even tell you how many she has. She has sheep, <laughs> uh, cute little Angora rabbits, um, chickens. Um, but she uses the fiber, um, so the hairs from the sheep um, and from the bunnies to create yarn. And then she uses that yarn to create wearable goods. Um, and she uses the dye from beautiful flowers um, to make, you know, so it's dye crops. And so I've gotten into that with her. It's been about two years now. It kind of feels like some old bitty betties and where none of us are older, but old bitty betties, we get together and we just get to play with the earth, play with the flowers. Um, we've sheared the sheep. Um, we've prepared the wool um, for us to use and spin into yarn. So it's, a lot of traditional practices that, you know, we find around the world, we've kind of slowed down because we're in an urban area um, and taking it on to honor um, what, what one could say is healthy fashion. Um, and so a lot of our clothes that we currently wear, of course, um, after the industrial complex, um, just it's fast, right? It's um, um, mixed fibers. We might have some polyesters in there, you know, some spandex, things like that which doesn't always allow our skin to breathe, right? Or, you know, skin's the largest organ of our bodies. And so why not maybe, you know, give our body a treat, right? Um, And give it some breathable fibers. Um, And so even if that's plant fibers, we're learning how to use flax to turn it into linen. Um, And so, yeah, it's just some healthy fashions. Um, And who doesn't like, what woman doesn't like some cute things to put on Um, (laughs) and to hand dye herself? You know, folks love indigo, um, and we did a cool indigo workshop with a Malayan um, textile artist who came um, to Seattle and he showed us the how beautiful the Malayan people have used indigo for hundreds of years. Um, and not only was it powerful in the sense of actually to see how he preps it and how he uses it, but to understand the history of, um, you know, we know the history of food, right, um, globally, but then to understand the history of textiles and dyes and how it also has been industrialized. And so um, just learning different practices to kind of slow down and honor the art of it all. So I've been doing that lately Um, and we will get to um, partake in an activity with you um, at the 
Earth Day event at Pont City Market. So folks can come out and actually um, use indigo dye and create their own piece of cool fabric. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, we'll put some details on that in the episode um, notes because I would love for the audience to come and, and a person and, and learn more about it. And I, I really appreciate that. And I know you said healthy fashion. I know another term for it is uh, sustainable fashion. And, and mm-hmm. actually with mm-hmm. the event with the Atlanta Green Market, where we'll have our, our Earth Day area, they do a sustainably um, fashion show that night. So oh, I don't know nice. if you, you knew about that, but I am taking notes to, to connect that. you. I'm going to connect yes. you to them. Um, yeah, I don't know the woman's name, but I, I will definitely let you know that offline and, and put in the episode details too. And yeah, as you said that, it's interesting because I, again, I'll, I'll go back to like, you know, my own understanding of clothes. And I, I like to call myself a, a recovering shopaholic. Um, and, uh, it's been tough for me because I, I love clothes and I, I love material and I love putting things together. Mm. And then I, it kind of comes with the other part of me that's like consumerism and, you know, yeah, and just kind of yeah. waste and, and what that looks like. And, and one experience I had that really resonated when you mentioned that was I went on a yoga retreat a couple of years ago to Lake Atilan in, in Guatemala, and we were able mm. to tour this beautiful uh, it was a storefront, but, you know, behind the scenes, all the lovely ladies that were doing exactly that, dyeing all the fabric from fruits and vegetables. The mm. oranges was from the turmeric mm. that really stuck out to me. And I, I got a little bag from it was, I think it was indigo, but they had two different types of blue. And one mm-hmm. was the blue from indigo when the moon was full and then mm. there was one when it wasn't a full moon. And I just mm. like, it makes you smile even just talking about it. I get the goosebumps because that's energy, right? And, and yeah. we're able to yeah. see it, not just for what the moon does to our, you know, our cycle and our mood and, and everything, the ocean, mm. um, but then to take that and, and put it into, it could be a shirt or a sweater, or, or like I said, the bag and, and just that small little difference in the earth around us that sometimes we forget has so much power, you know, and so much yeah. more. Um, so, so yeah, so you, you just, I don't know if you've heard that before, or if you know anything more about that the moon can change the colors, but I thought that was I really did not cool. know that. I have heard about growers using the moon to grow, but I didn't, I never heard about it with dying. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was fun too. So that's the Black Sheep Fiber Collective. Um, mm-hmm. And now that we're entering into spring or we're, we're kind of in it, I, I know I mentioned one of my other podcasts, I can hear, you know, the birds are chirping, the flowers yeah. are coming out. Um, what are you focusing on this season? And, and when it goes to different seasons, do you focus on different things or tell us yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, great question. So I really align myself to the seasons. Um, and so with this new spring season, everything is in abundance and growing. This is probably the time of year where I actually um, start to gain more doula clients, folks who are like, oh, I'm pregnant. <laughs> you know, they went through the winter and now they're like, oh, <laughs> we're expecting. And so this is where um, I start to get more doula clients. I have a, a, a client she's actually due uh, next month. And so I'm working more with moms right now. Um, that's really like a a spiritual passion of mine, not something that I really promote, but I'm hoping to realign my business more into that um, and incorporate more of the food preps for families. So postpartum meal prep, I'm starting to get into. Um, with that, I've signed up to actually be a vendor at the Community Farmers Markets Market. So uh, first and third weeks of the month, I'm at East Atlanta Village in Oakhurst selling um, herbal beverages and bites, so small bites. 
Um, and then on the fourth Sundays of the month, I'm at Grant Park Farmers Market offering up some of my herbal goods and um, bites as well. Mm, well, we go to all of those. So I'm excited <laughs> to, to see you back in action because um, as you mentioned, when you were the manager and we're in markets, I, I wasn't living here yet. So I, I never mm -hmm. saw you in, in that in that capacity. So I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, this past Thursday, or you know, this is obviously pre-recorded, but we did go to the, the opening night mm -hmm. of EAV um, Spring Market. And um, yeah, it was just so good to, again, see everyone out again and, and, and notice too, um, what it's like to eat seasonally because mm -hmm. from someone from South Florida and again, the way I was raised was like, Oh, there's, there's always blueberries in the store, mm -hmm. you know, like that means there's mm -hmm. always blueberries. So I know that's a big part of, you know, what you're about and I'm sure yes. being back at the market that, that allows you also to be back in that space. Yeah, totally. I really make sure that the food that I offer, um, has a lot of local and seasonal components in it for folks to, like you say, understand, like, you know, this week it'll probably blueberries, but, you know, well, it's strawberries right now, but sure. in a few weeks, it might just be like blueberries and watermelon because the offerings have changed. It's no longer growing. Um, and I know on a larger scale, um, folks are like, well, it's at the, it's at the stores, which I'm not turning down, you know, who growing for the stores, but sure. like you who actually is growing your food it just really does something for your body mind and to me it kind of empowers you even more sure well one of the things i do love with um this podcast is sharing tips tools and techniques so um being in the food earth birth world and and being a mom to five little ones um, mm -hmm. do you have anything to share of what you found has worked for you, whether it's, you know, a daily practice, whether it's mm -hmm. food, um, we'd love to hear a little bit about that. So daily, I have to wake up and drink tea. If I'm not drinking some type of tea in the morning, the day just doesn't go right. Um, so I try to do that daily and actually be intentional about um, what tea do I want. So just how, you know, we started off the podcast, you told me to take a deep breath. I do the same with, okay, I'm standing at the kitchen counter what type of tea do I want today? Um, am I going outside and picking some fresh mint and lemon balm um, from outside? Or am I going to just, you know, go to some black tea or green tea? Um, and I try not to judge myself in that. So that kind of helps me with the start of my day. Um, I also um, honor napping. Um, my dear friend, Trisha Hershey, who's the Bishop of the Nap Ministry, um, introduced me to this concept when it for her, it was just something that she was doing um, before it got to be this big, global movement um, of napping and so I honor when I need to take a nap <laughs> I definitely honor a quick power nap as my dad would say either 10 to 20 minutes um, and then I've really gotten into therapy recently um, I was recently diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder um, not knowing why I might have some anxiety um, episodes especially with all the children home and I'm trying to run someone to practice and make it to the market in time and get our greens or eggs from a farmer. Um, and I had to take a, a moment and say, hey, I need to see somebody about this. And so mental health is big to me now. Um, and so making sure I see my therapist regularly. Um, and also just taking maybe like a 20 to 30 minute walk every day really helps um, with cardio and just realigning with my body. Hmm. 
Thank you for sharing that and, and being open about that, I, I think. And, and we can even say, you know, culturally wise too, or just yeah. women or all the things that we're not mm-hmm. always told that it's okay to, you know, call it what it is or name it and then actually do something about it and, and, and know yeah. that, you know, we, we have our own tools and, you know, and I think it's beautiful and we both know, and I'm sure some of the audience, like what we eat has a lot to do with it, but there comes a point when that is, oh, there he is. Um, yeah, he's trying to wake up. <laughs> it comes a point where an outside source is needed, um, almost mm-hmm. required. And, and, and I think now too, and I, a little plug on, on better health, I think it's called, um, I've been getting a lot of ads from them and I'm, I'm super fascinated that they were able to basically aggregate bunch of amazing therapists and, and find really affordable and accessible price yeah. points um, where it's, yeah. you know, I think $20 or even less in a way that, again, which we typically think of therapists as such a high rate that not everyone can afford. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So thanks for bringing that up, and I and I'm glad, yeah. and I, I I'm I'm a big I, I have my therapist appointment today, so yeah, I'm hey. a, a big a big proponent of that because our friends yeah. and family can can only do so much, and you know mm-hmm. yoga and meditation, and I, I do it all, but um, but that's an an aspect that I think is needed. So totally, um, totally. Well, if anyone wants to reach you or learn more about you, if you can share your Instagram or website, mm-hmm. and we'll also have that in the episode details. Yeah, so I'm um at food earth birth on all socials at food earth birth and then my website is www.foodearthbirth.com so folks can reach out to me if you have any questions you want a consultation for services uh yep perfect if you like this episode and you want to hear more like them please subscribe follow and share with your community Thank you again for joining us. Until next time, wishing you all good health, lots of love, and happiness. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you, Jay.